1: Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler.
2: Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler and we have uh... doctor kathy greenberg who is my host typically on these calls, but she would not be with us on this call but between kathy and i we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top ten percent and today uh... we have a woman bruna martinuzzi who wrote a book leader as mensch and uh... i'm very interested in this uh... bruna has had a uh... nice background in a variety of leadership development Um, Focus and emotional intelligence, definitely one of the sweet spots for me. And let me tell you a little bit about Bruna. Bruna is the president of Clarion Enterprises, and it's a training and development company specializing in leadership and emotional intelligence training and development. She has helped numerous leaders achieve personal effectiveness. She's the author of the leader as a mensch, Becoming the Kind of Person Others Want to Follow which is something that we all want here in Leadership Development News. She's also the co-author of The Power to Lead, Lessons in Creating Your Unique Masterpiece. Bruno lectures uh, at the uh, British Columbia Technology Institute in Vancouver, also at the Simon Fraser University, the MBA program, and at the Sauter School of Business MBA program, and the University of Northern British Columbia. She speaks at numerous events including the annual TELUS Leadership Forums, the British Columbia Technology Industry Human Capital Symposium, and the Westlink Technology Commercialization Program. She's a strong believer in the concept that self-awareness precedes self-management, and she assists leaders in enhancing their self-awareness as a stepping stone for self-development and achieving their personal their personal best. So we'll talk to her about maybe some of the steps and how she does that. And you know, Kathy and I always want to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders, and provide evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. We know that leaders are the heartbeat of the organization. Most leaders, though, underestimate just how much influence they have over others. And the consequence of that is they and their team underperform. Doing just a few things differently can drastically improve your performance and that of your organizations. So in these shows, you learn a lot of different things, um, how to develop more leaders in your organization, what happy companies know about performance, emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies, brain and neuroscience contributions to top performance, um, gender differences and generation differences, work-life balance, (laughs) strategies to manage your boss, self-management tools. And before we bring on Bruna, we we always like to give a little bit of some of this evidence-based research. And we know that leaders have 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. And the reason is emotions are contagious. So we like to say that the leader is the emotional thermostat for the team. If they run hot and irritable, their team's going to run hot and irritable. If they run cool, collected, refreshed. Their team is going to run cool, collected, and and refreshed. And one of the keys to being a star performer, which we define as someone in the top 10%, is emotional intelligence. Some of that, what we'll talk to Bruno about, is we'll be a little bit more in-depth about emotional intelligence. But when you look at IQ and you look at technical expertise, the further you go up the ladder in an organization, the more you need emotional intelligence. And there's also some research that says that leaders in the top 10% is really a tipping point, produce twice as much revenue to the organization as managers in the 11th through the 89th percentile. So really critical. How do you get people into that top 10%? And uh, I'm a certified coach. Uh, Kathy is. Bruna does coaching also. And if you have training alone, it can make a uh, bump in productivity about 22%. But if you add ongoing coaching, which really allows you to ground the information, personalize it for the coach, you can get about an 88% uh, bump in productivity. So, Bruno, welcome to the call.
3: Thank you, Raleigh. Thanks for having me. I'm very pleased to be here.
2: Uh, Oh, this is going to be fun. So I'm going to just add a couple other things from what I said earlier. You speak six languages and hold a Bachelor's of Art and a Master of Arts from the University of British Columbia. You are the recipient of several awards, including the Ezek Kilwin Pre-Doctoral Fellowship three years in a row, the Social Science and Humanities Research Council of Canada, and the British Columbia Workplace Excellence Award for Unusual Innovation. Maybe I'll ask you what that unusual innovation is. Mm-hmm. And you've also completed emotional intelligence certifications from a variety of groups to Six Seconds of Emotional Intelligence, the HAY group. Uh, You're also a certified consultant in the De Bono Six Thinking Hats, which is an interesting concept, and the Coaching Clinic for Leaders. And you uh, you bring to your interventions several years of executive coaching experience, having been certified as an executive coach from the business school of the Royal Roads University. So let's uh, start off, Bruno, what we usually ask most folks is who's been most influential in your life in regards to you know your role as a leader who's you've learned the most about
3: Sure with pleasure uh, I guess I was very lucky I've had a lot of uh, good role models in my life in particular my mother she was a very kind person uh, she had a generosity that basically knew no bounds mm. and so she always instilled this in me as a child the Other uh, person who had an influence on me was a teacher I had who was uh, a leader in the classroom. I still have uh, her ethos in my mind's eye, how she showed up, how she was passionate and engaged, and really took her work seriously. It wasn't just a job. Mm. It was a craft. It was a calling. And uh, later on, I was also influenced by some very good CEOs that I reported to, one in particular stands out, and that is uh, Mark Ernst Townsend. He used to be the CEO of Norset International. And uh, Mark had uh, three values, caring, respect, and integrity. Mm. And he lived those every day. So even in uh, in difficult times, uh, times of challenge, he uh, never wavered. And uh, I always think that it's it's easier to lead when things are well. When everything is going well, but it's much harder to lead when uh, when there are challenges, and that's when a person's true character is revealed, and uh, and that was Mark. He never wavered, and I also was uh, very influenced by books and philosophers. I'm a book addict. And that's thanks to that teacher I uh, I mentioned mm. just earlier, and uh, so I read a lot of literature. I think we learn a lot about leadership from good literature, about how people behave, their values, and uh, how they deal with mistakes and so on. And uh, in terms of philosophers, uh, when I was much younger, I uh, was introduced to Bertrand Russell. And uh, some of his learnings in Conquest of Happiness stayed with me as well and influenced me. So... I was uh, I was blessed, and I continue to be influenced by by reading. Uh, one in particular is Jim Kuzes, who I consider a wonderful world educator on leadership.
2: Well, so one of the things I was impressed with your book, and we'll get into it. The leader as a as a mention, the subtitle, become the kind of person others want to follow. Is you've done a wonderful job integrating a lot of different folks. I mean, we both are very. Um, keen on emotional intelligence, but you also have uh, work in there from Jim Jim Collins, James O'Toole, Stephen Covey. Uh, you just met. You just mentioned Jim Coos. Um, and so I think you really have done a very nice job just kind of integrating this uh, in, into your writings. Thank you. So tell me a little bit for people who don't know, what is a mensch?
3: I'd love to answer that question. <laughs> okay. A mensch is... Uh, is a German word, and it means a person or a human being. Now, in Yiddish, it has acquired a very special connotation. It means a person of integrity, uh, someone who's honorable, someone who's decent, someone who's responsible. So, a mensch not only knows what is the right thing to do, but he or she acts on it. And by the way, there's no gender, so if I say a lot of he, I mean he and she. Uh, So, Uh, Not only does he act on it, uh, he acts on it, but even at the expense of uh, maybe a personal sacrifice or personal hardship. Mm -hmm. A mensch is someone who is naturally kind, and they don't expect anything for their kindness. Uh, All they want you to do is just pass it on. And so, to call someone a mensch, it's basically the greatest compliment that we can give someone. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, you know, it may be worth. Just sharing a story that you have in the book about the first time you heard this with your, with your dad and mom, and it tells you know it gives a little bit of your background too. And then I guess it was your neighbor or so that you first heard him call the manch. You want to share?
3: Yes. that? Yes. Well, it's uh, I'll, I'll I'll tell the story briefly. Uh, the first time that I heard the word mensch was uh, in the 1950s. I was a kid. We had a neighbor who. Um, he uh, used to come every every evening and spend time with us. Uh, he was Jewish, and uh, it was at a time in Egypt where it was difficult because there was a lot of mass exodus from people who were Jewish, and um, they were afraid to attract attention to themselves. So um, he uh, acted differently that night. He was very warm when he left, and he hugged us and so on. And uh, the next day it was my mother who said, I think there's something wrong with Sammy. Um, He didn't act quite himself. So we decided to go to his apartment, and when we went there, he had left the door ajar, and everything seemed to be in place. His clothes were there, his briefcase, he had left it where he normally had it. But um, he had left a few little slips that to anyone who wasn't accustomed to him uh, would have looked as just like random notes, but the slips had our nicknames on it, and he had uh, my nickname on his dictionary, and that was a dictionary that his father had given him. It had his name engraved, and he used to allow me to look at it, but always telling me be careful because it was his father's gift, and uh, so he had left that for me as a gift. For my mother, he had left her nickname in, a, in an old carved wooden bowl that he had and that my mother used to fill with delicacies for him. And uh, and for my father, it was uh, his merchant pipe. So there was a little, just a little note there with just his nickname on it, and it looked like it was a random note. So. My parents, I was a kid, but my parents put two and two together that he had just fled the country. And in fact, he had, and he had left everything just not to attract attention. So the reason he did that was because sometimes the people who are behind friends or whoever may have been questioned, may have gone through some inconveniences and so on. And so he felt uh, that it was better if we knew nothing to protect us. So that was a, a noble act until the end. And uh, so my father, at that point, well, my father didn't speak Yiddish, but he had acquired some of these from uh, from friends who used to drop into the house. And he, so he said, um, Sammy is a mensch and that's when the world stayed with me. Uh
2: Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Well, that's a great story, and you have that highlighted in the book, and and so at that point you were living in Egypt.
3: Yes, exactly. That's where I was born.
2: You were born. I spent
3: my formative years there. I left when I was uh, 17.
2: 17. Okay. Well, we're going to come back uh, from a break uh, in in just a second, and then I'm going to ask you a little bit more about uh, these mensch qualities and how does this compare with some of the emotional intelligence competencies? And you're listening to Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back.
1: Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 472 5790 The experts are here. Voice America Business Network.
4: you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066
5: let kathy greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%? At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day, Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com.
1: Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers, with your hosts, Doctors Kathy Greenberg and Riley Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll free at one That number again is one 472 Now,
2: let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Bruna Martinuzzi. She has a new book that just came out that we're going to delve into some of the key aspects, leader as mensch, become the kind of person others want to follow. And before the break, um, Bruna, I was asking one of the the, uh, theoretical orientations that we both have is around emotional intelligence. And so I know you have some competencies that we're going to go through, you know, as many as we can get through of a mensch, but how does do some of these qualities, I think you call them, relate to some of the emotional intelligence competencies that we know?
3: Yes, um, there are quite a few correlations with emotional intelligence. Uh, in fact, we could say that a mensch is someone who has high emotional intelligence. Okay. So, if we look at the four cornerstones of uh, emotional intelligence, uh, self-management for example, uh, one of the crucial ones, emotional self-control. A Mensch is someone who stays composed, who's positive, who has patience, who responds calmly to situations. So, so that is a key characteristic mm-hmm. uh, or competency. The other one, uh, the other two are authenticity and optimism. Mm. Uh, The optimism is having that positive expectations of people. So these are uh, part of a mensch's mensch's Mm -hmm. ethos. Mm -hmm. If we go to the next quadrant, uh, social awareness, Uh, one of the key emotional competencies there is empathy. And this is a key characteristic of a mensch. It's what defines a mensch. It's that empathy. And uh, another similarity is service orientation. Mm. So, a mensch always tries to be helpful, to be of service, uh, to have a noble goal, uh, to give something back to, to the team, to the community, to the organization, to society. So, so those are key competencies there. If we look at, uh, relationship management or social skills. Right. Um, a mensch is someone who, um, places a great deal of emph- uh, emphasis on forging bonds. So, uh, they take great pride in, uh, in in the healthy in healthy relationships, in uh, and and they believe that the quality of a relationship is a reflection on them. So all of these things, instilling trust, cooperation, collaboration, uh, that are a part of that quadrant, are a part of what defines a mensch. And, um, and really, even even conflict management, mm-hmm. uh, a mensch is someone who's seen as a peacekeeper. Uh, sort of a mediator, someone who will always try to find some solutions rather than kind of escalate what's going right. on. And finally, emotional self-awareness. A man is someone who has very strong self-awareness, who's very comfortable in uh, in his or her own skin. Uh, they just have that quiet and assuming confidence. So, so as uh, you can see, there's some strong mm-hmm. there between the two.
2: What I know from the uh, the model that you know you and I, you and I both are familiar with the goldman model they say in the uh, eighteen or so competencies it, you could be a star at nine or ten of them, which are you have nine qualities you know that would lead someone uh, to really round out the key competencies that they need to be a to be a star in emotional intelligence yes so uh, in your book you 've got to organize in an interesting way that you have nine qualities that depict a men, and so let 's take a look at them individually, but then you have also kind of have a unique uh, metaphor on how you organize them, and it has to do with the tree. So I'll I'll let you describe that.
3: Yeah, the the tree is considered our botanical analog, uh, if you want. So when we look at the roots, for example, they are uh, what anchors the tree to the ground. Mm -hmm. And similarly, for a leader, the roots are the foundation, uh, and they're the most crucial part. And that would be humility, authenticity, and empathy. Mm-hmm. So just as a tree needs healthy roots in order to survive, a leader cannot thrive without those three foundational qualities. Uh, in any event, they cannot be the type of leader worth following. Mm-hmm. So, that, so that's in terms of the roots. Okay. Now, stick the analogy further with the metaphor. Uh, the trunk is the main part of the tree, the most visible. So the roots are hidden, but, but the trunk is what people see. And, and for a leader, this is the outward manifestation of who we are. So it's our leadership ethos in action. And for me, those are the accountability, optimism, and comportment, which I call mastery in the book. Mm-hmm. And finally, we look at the branches. Uh, they are the extensions. And these are further manifestations of how we stretch ourselves to reach and inspire others. And uh, that would be our moods. And I know, Relly, you talk about moods and the importance of moods uh, on an organization and on the team and the climate. So so that's the moods, And the other one is generosity, uh, generosity of spirit and heart. And I hope we get a chance to talk about that uh, in this next hour. And, and then appreciation. So our power and our influence our greatest reach resides in these three resides in our branches.
2: So that's a that's a great model and and do you find that breaking it up into that model uh makes it kind of easier for people to to grasp it?
3: Yes, it does. It's uh I found it a very useful way of uh, of understanding okay. what's hidden that maybe people don't see, what's manifested, and what is it that you can do to reach out even further.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's
3: this escalation.
2: Yeah, I like it. It's a, it's a good model.
3: Thank
2: you. Well, let's, let's start walking through it, and then we'll see how, how far we can get. So starting with the roots, you said it's humility, authenticity, and empathy. Uh, so let's look at humility. And say each of these, you know, it, it, what I like about it in your book you go through each of these, and then you have some areas that you basically have as far as practices leave, that you call the leaves of mastery, which are really kind of actions, you know, how-to things that, that people can do. Yes. So for our listeners, maybe we can describe, you know, humility and then maybe any kind of couple of key actions that people could use to enhance that.
3: Yes, absolutely. So in terms of uh, humility, it's a prime quality, and and that's uh, why I I have it as the first one in the book. Uh, When we practice humility, we are emotionally attractive, uh, because people are drawn to people who display genuine humility, and we're always repelled by people who have uh, arrogance or excessive pride, and I venture to say that it's impossible uh, to be authentic as a leader without humility, and why do I say this? Because there are times in a, in a leader's journey that, uh, many times, when the leader will not have all the answers. And, and it takes humility to admit that and to seek advice. And uh, there are times when we make mistakes. Again, it takes humility to admit that. And one thing that I find when we practice humility, we, we spend more time in that wonderful space uh, that is the beginner's mind. Mm-hmm. So we are more open to what others have to share, more open to learning, instead of being uh, the, the person who's always telling, who's the expert in the room. Uh, so so that's, that's what I mean by humility. Mm-hmm. And in terms of a few tips, uh, one of them would be simply asking, how am I doing? Mm. Asking constituents, asking colleagues, how am I doing in my leadership? Mm-hmm. Am I helping you? Uh, are there any ways that I'm hindering you in, in accomplishing what you want to do? It takes a great deal of confidence and a dra- great deal of humility mm-hmm. to ask that question, and, and even more so to consider the the answer.
2: Right, right. Uh, so
3: that would be one. Okay. Um, I'd like to hear a couple more if we have time. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, another one is sometimes we uh, find ourselves in a, in a contest of wills. Uh, we're dealing with someone who's difficult, uh, difficult to get through, and so we lose our grace as we get uh, sort of uh, taken in by that exchange. And I always uh, tell people, you know, our humility can fly out of win- out the window in those cases, and and our best intentions can can be uh, derailed. But if you just stop talking, just simply stop talking, and let that person have the limelight, mm. and and watch what happens it's uh It's so liberating uh the other strategy is uh I have three magical words, three magical words mm-hmm. that I want to share with your listeners okay and that is you are right, I think those words can cause more peace of mind than a week at a at a retreat mm-hmm. uh, so sometimes practicing that saying so, 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 you're right, not every battle is worth fighting right, not uh, every issue is so. Uh, a final one would be, you know, hiring people who are smarter than we are, and and giving them opportunities to develop them. Okay. And that is a, is a key quality of a leader developing followers. It takes humility to do that. It takes humility to recognize here's someone who might even have greater talents than I have. I want to hire that person. I'm going to give them the best best opportunities. Right, right. So that so That's that would great. be some quick okay. um, quick tips.
2: And so one of the couple things that, that, that I would add to that that we usually talk about is, are they, are you asking these three questions, or are you making these three statements, they're more learning statements that go, that I think would fit in, fit in with humility and maybe authenticity, is, I made a mistake. Yes. I need help. And then the other one you already mentioned, I don't know. You know, yeah. how, how often is a leader saying those three? And if you're not saying them, going back to what we said earlier, your team's not saying them. And, and you're going to want your team to say, oh, I made a mistake. I don't know versus kind of pretending that they know what's going on and you know not sharing some of the things that they may be need information on.
3: Exactly, these would be the three magical phrases.
2: Yeah, the three magical phrases along with the three magical words. You are right. Okay, so good. So, um, what about authenticity and empathy?
3: Authenticity is uh, is what I consider the hallmark. Uh, of a leader as well, a leader as a mensch. and uh, and one of the prime things that we notice with a person who's authentic is candor. Mm. Uh, there is a directness in their language. And um, some time ago, I heard a young woman say, "I'm enough," mm. and I was intrigued because, uh, especially because of her age, and so I, I set out to research uh, the, the the phrase and where it came from. And I found out that it comes from uh, the psychotherapist, Carl Rogers. Mm-hmm. And um, what he had said is, when people asked him, how do you do what you do so well? How can you be so successful? Right. And he said, before a session with a client, I always let myself know that I'm enough. Not perfect, but just enough. And he said, because I'm human and there's nothing that this client can feel or do yeah. that I cannot feel in myself. So I can be with them and I'm enough.
2: That's a that's a great line. I mean, just talking about you know what that self talk and what we say to ourselves versus and consciously doing that versus unconsciously worrying and being apprehensive and and saying you know negative statements.
3: Exactly, and and words come from a position of incompleteness, uh, especially in our modern times. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, so it relaxes us and and it gives us an an opportunity, basically permission to be ourselves. So so we are more authentic. Uh, So in terms of um, some quick tips, Uh, so uh, one of them would be just tell yourself I'm enough and mean it. Uh A second one, uh, and I'd like to give four tips here. A second one would be uh, are you known as a truth teller in your organization? Mm -hmm. Do you tell the truth? Mm
2: -hmm. And I
3: think it was Peter Senge who said we tell the truth up to the level of our paycheck, up to the level of our embarrassment.
2: So
3: there are times when we cannot... Uh, divulge everything, of course. There are some uh, issues that are going on, and a leader is not free to, to tell everything at that moment. Right. But what I tell people is, uh, what you can say is, first of all, you won't lie, but there are always a few things that you can share. So share those and tell the person, this is all I can share with you right now. This is all I'm at liberty to share. So that person leaves your room and feels what? Okay, I know there's more information. My leader didn't lie to me. Uh, He or she told me uh, all they could, so that that raises the level of authenticity and trust.
2: And so let's let's stop at this one, just because we'll take we have to go to a break, and then we'll come back and hear the other three three tips. Okay. And so this is leadership development news, and we'll, we'll be right back.
1: Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your
5: team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%? At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's Company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, Practical solutions and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com.
4: Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic plays to get to the top in a simple paint by the numbers process. you delegate effectively. How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com, or 805-683-1066. Music
1: You're listening to Leadership Development News Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Doctors Kathy Greenberg and Rilly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll free at 1 866 472 5790. That number again is 1 866 472 5790. Now, let's get back to the show.
2: Welcome back to Leadership Development News Profiles and Practices. Of top performers. Today we're talking with Bruna Martinuzzi, and she has the very intriguing book, Leader as Mensch. And we're now going through some of the nine key areas um, that she has as one of some of the qualities. So, um, Bruna, we're just talking about, we finished humility, we're talking about authenticity, and you gave us one tip about being, are you known as a truth teller? What are some of the other tips? Uh,
3: the other one is the one we all know about, uh, but sometimes we get derailed again. It's being a promise keeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing what you say, you, you will do. So if you make a promise to someone and conditions change later, right. uh, that's fine. That happens. But go back to that person. Go back to people and say, uh, you know, this is what happened and that's why we can't do mm-hmm. this. Otherwise, uh, it erodes our authenticity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is living our values. And so as leaders, we're always espousing values. But do we live them every day? And, for example, if you say to people that quality is a big value in this organization, mm-hmm. but then there's a crisis and there's a deadline to meet, and uh, and you tell people to just cut corners because the product has to go out the door or whatever it is that has to be done. So, so people look at that and they say, well, okay, quality is important when everything is going well, but when things are not going well, eh, we, we will cut corners. So then they, they uh, stop believing you, uh, and they just uh, pay lip service to the values. Mm. So it's important to, to, um, to live those.
2: Okay. That's, that's a great one. And was there a fourth one that you had there? Uh, the,
3: the first one that I had said is tell yourself that I'm enough. Oh, okay. And, and mean it. Okay. I think this helps oh, that's helps a good. lot, so in a... remaining authentic.
2: Oh, good. Well, what about uh, the other part of the route that I also agree with you that's so foundational is empathy. So empathy, maybe, yes. Uh, you can tell us about that and any kind of ways
3: to raise it. Yes, I might um, give a few tips there too. So empathy is the the oil that makes relationships run smoothly. And if we consider that fundamentally uh, leadership is a relationship, it's a relationship between a leader and a follower and colleagues and customers and so on. So if we accept that, that leadership is the relationship then the the most crucial aspect of that relationship is empathy. Empathy is what helps us to connect with people. And, um, in fact, um, the the fact that uh, empathy is important for connecting has been proven neurologically. Uh, I was reading a, a bit of research. There were patients with lesions in the prefrontal amygdala circuits that's apparently the, the brain area that supports the expression of empathy, and when those legions, uh, were um, when those areas were uh, were damaged, patients showed a significant deficits in uh, relationship skills, mm. even though their cognitive or intellectual skills remained intact. Mm. So, so it's crucial. And other research, of course, has shown that uh, the best salespeople are the ones that have empathy. They understand the customers needs uh, there 's other research that the performance of best managers of product development teams, for example, were people who had high empathy. Uh, other studies show that uh, especially working in a multicultural workforce, uh, being able to understand people of different cultures and so on uh, requires empathy, so that also uh, is important so empathy is uh, is, is a non negotiable.
2: Mm. Okay. And what have you found that's helped people? Because that's something that in in the training that I do and the coaching is always a key area. Um, You know, And some people think they either have it or they don't, but we know a lot of these skills you can practice and get better at.
3: Yes, exactly. Uh, it, it, it's it's a difficult one initially, but uh, it can be done for sure. Uh, some people are naturally uh, wired to do it. They can do it easily. Others need a little more work at it, but everybody can do it. And, and the primary one is basically uh, improving uh, one's listening skills, mm-hmm. and that is truly listening, listening with our eyes, with our hearts, with our ears, uh, looking at uh, the emotions behind what a person is saying or what they're not saying, and it's uh, not interrupting, not rushing to give advice. It's just relaxing and giving people their moment. Mm-hmm. Just, let, just hear the story. Give them their moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, a second one is there's uh, it's being fully present uh, with a person, and uh, there is a, there's an African village where the greeting for uh, good morning is, I'm here if you are here. And just imagine how beautiful that is. It means when I'm, when, when I'm with you, I'm going to be fully present. And so what happens? Somebody drops into our office and, uh, and they want to talk, and we're busy. So we're kind of doing uh, our BlackBerry. We're sending emails. We may be uh, looking at our laptop and uh, just nodding, but not even looking at the person. Yeah, uh, that that's uh, it. Just tells people it signals to people I'm not important, and and we don't intentionally set out to hurt, but that's how it's received. So having the empathy to understand, how would I like it if I went into my leader's office, and that person dealt with me that way? So making that effort. The other one is uh, having more face time with people the research I've read is that 69% of people prefer to have a face-to-face meeting rather than email mm. uh, when, when the issue is important. Mm-hmm. And today, of course, we lead through email. And uh, I mean, it's the nature of uh, the way uh, the technology is. So it's not about... Um, not using that, but that being aware that we need to balance that. So getting out from behind your desk, walking over to the cubicle or whatever the person is. And um, sometimes, of course, people are in regional offices, so that's not possible. But the next best thing is just pick up the phone. Yeah. And um, you know, I always say the, the most powerful communication technology is our voice. Exactly. So, yeah, so use it. So, these are a few things okay. that we can do. And and as you say, really, uh, I heard you say somewhere in the beginning of your uh, introductions that uh, they're micro gestures, they're micro little things that we yeah. can do that can yeah. make a difference.
2: The little micro initiatives, exactly. Exactly. Well, let me just add one more thing to empathy, and this is that from some of the same research from the Hay Group that. Uh, around emotional intelligence, where they really looked at what's the behavior around empathy, and what do stars do? And something that that I think is helpful for our listeners is that someone who's high in empathy, they see your perspective. And so, when I add to that, is a play on words. Nobody knows you see their perspective until you say their perspective. And so, they're going to keep telling you their perspective until you feed it back and you say their perspective. And it's something that, you know, basically, you know, psychologists, counselors, coaches are trained in, but coaches can be trained, or leaders can be trained in, are you saying the person's perspective? And one of the good examples is Obama is a very good, he's the only president I heard use the word empathy, but he is always saying someone's perspective. He's telling them what their argument is, and people go, yeah, you're right, so they feel heard.
3: Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. And, uh, yeah, I enjoyed his speech when he talked about there's uh, an empathy deficit or an empathy an empathy gap. So yeah, the
2: exactly. word
3: is starting to, to be used by more people. It's important.
2: So let's talk a little bit about, and it, we'll maybe go with this part a little quicker, um, about the next level, you know, which is um, the trunk. Yes. And so that's accountability, optimism, and mastery. So Did you so, want to maybe tell us a little bit about that, or pick one? Or
3: Yes. Uh, maybe I'll talk uh, briefly about accountability. Um, I titled this chapter I Swear by Apollo, and that's the Hippocratic Oath, uh, of mm. course, that physicians take uh, to practice medicine to the best of their ability. And basically, it's a promise to do no harm. Mm. And, and I thought how great it would be if we had uh, such an oath for leaders when they take uh, the mantle of leadership; that they promise to do no harm. Of course, we've got so many examples, unfortunately, of people who uh, actually set out to do to do some harm. But in the book, and now it's not where my focus is. My focus is more on the small accountability gaps that we do in, unintentionally. You have a good leader; uh, he, he his heart is in the right place, but there's things that happen. And uh, and uh, we lack accountability, uh, but people judge us on our on our actions, not our intentions. And just as a quick couple of examples that I've seen, uh, not uh, too infrequently, and that would be a leader who has a, a chronic problem employee, and uh, it's just that employee is not a good fit. Everything they've tried doesn't work, and then a position comes up in another department, and instead of actually making the tough decision which is counseling that person out, uh, the leader transfers the employee to another department. Mm. And basically, what have we done? We've transferred the problem somewhere else. And deep inside, we know uh, that that was not the accountable thing to do. Another example is you are in a meeting. You've got uh, one team member who is running roughshod over other individuals, especially junior ones. And it mortifies the person who is the recipient, it embarrasses other people in the team, and uh, it even bothers the leader, but the leader doesn't do anything about it because he or she hates confrontation, and also because maybe the, the perpetrator is uh, a high achiever who's delivering results. Again, uh, people notice that. Right. And um, I think one of the responsibilities of a leader is to uh, protect People in the team from the bad behavior of other team members. Yep. So these are a couple of things.
2: Okay. Well, thank you. That is great. We're going to go to our our last break, and then we'll we'll talk about some of the branches uh, in your tree model. This is leadership development news, and we'll be right back.
1: listening to leadership development news profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts doctors kathy greenberg and Riley nadler we know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask so call us toll free at 1-866-472-5790 that number again is
2: 1-866-472-5790 now let's get back to the show Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We have the pleasure of talking with Bruna Martinuzzi. She's the author of The Leader as Mench. Uh Become the kind of person others want to follow. Let me just mention this here. Um, Bruna, your website is www.increaseyoureqforemotionalquotient.com. And you also have another website, clarionenterprises.com. That's
3: correct.
2: And if they want to get a hold of the book?
3: So you can order it through Amazon. Amazon, okay. Yes. And if it's a Canadian order, then it's through me.
2: Okay, great. Well, so let's now, we've, kind of, we've talked about the roots, we've talked about the trunk, now we're mm-hmm. up to the branches, which you have as leader's mood, generosity, and appreciation. So why don't you walk us through some of those?
3: Yes. So a leader's mood, uh, you talk a lot about that, really the, the importance of uh, managing your moods because it affects the bottom line. And uh, a leader's mood is like a virus, so a leader is a transmitter, and the hapless subordinate is the receiver. Ah. And uh, just want to briefly mention a story. I, I was in a workshop once, and I was talking about this, and one of the executives uh, said to me, I cannot see how I can be in a good mood four quarters in a row. And, I mean, it's point well taken. It was a heartfelt comment. It's difficult. But I would say that as a leader, you cannot afford to even entertain uh, that that notion, because with leadership there's some uh, responsibilities. I mean, there's power, there's prestige, there's perks, there's all of that, but with that also comes some responsibilities, and uh, and uh, some of them are not easy. So, for example, managing your mood is one of them because of the, the implications. So a few a few tips, very quick tips on how to do that. Uh, one of the things I was telling my clients who were struggling with this is um, think about meetings, because meetings are, as someone called them, cauldrons of emotion. This is where uh, a lot either gets done or doesn't get done, and uh, sometimes a lot of it has to do with the, the, the leader's mood. So do you model the way by setting a positive mood right from the start? And I used to report to a CEO who would come into the room at times, and uh, and he'd be very positive and supportive and upbeat and we'd have wonderful meetings and we'd accomplish a lot. Other days he'd come in unexpectedly and he'd be in a bad mood. He'd be wiry and dismissive and, and you could tell the difference in the group. People would stop talking and, and sharing less and uh, we accomplished a lot less. So so that's one of the things, uh, watching your behavior in, in meetings. Another one is simply stopping and acknowledging I am in a bad mood. Just acknowledging that and then resolving, making a decision. I'm not going to let it spill over everyone. I have another two hours here at the office. I'm going to manage this. When I get out of the office, I'll go for a run, do whatever it is, but I'm going to consciously decide to, to control this mood so it doesn't spill over on everyone. And, and that's part of that emotional self-control.
2: And, and also I just want to highlight that emotional self-awareness, that if, if you can say I'm in a bad mood you, that you're at step one, People go, oh, they know it, and then you become more predictable. Uh, you know, hopefully you're going to be able to manage it, but to anybody else, you know, they're not just waiting for the next shoe to drop or you explode
3: because exactly.
2: you know what's going on.
3: Yes, and, and uh, consistency and predictability is, is, uh, is very important for people. Yeah. So the other one is uh, there's a physical component to, to a bad mood. Uh, I mean, the, the, what are the sources of stress? What's the stress that's causing that? So I get my clients to think about what are your energy drainers, uh, what's happening, why are you in a bad mood, uh, to stop and think about that. Maybe it's uh, you don't have, uh, you have unprotected personal time, maybe it's ruminating over criticism or something that's happened, uh, maybe it's uh, fragmented boundaries uh, there's a lot of things that can be energy drainers and different for each person. So, again, that self-awareness so that it, it uh, brings self-management in those areas. Another one in terms of stress is know very well how you spend your time. Hmm. And uh, are, you, are you spending your time on what matters, uh, on the important things? Because that causes stress, and then in turn it brings a bad mood. Uh, another one is... Uh, and, and that was uh, something I read that Howard Gardner had written on the synthesizing leader. And it's basically becoming a master at synthesizing information. Mm. And Howard Gardner said that uh, this, this skill is going to be one of the top skills required for leaders uh, in, in, this, um, in this decade. And, uh, and that's because we're bombarded by so much, uh, and especially leaders. They have a lot of information to absorb. So having a way to sift through what's important, what's not, and so forth. And um, the last one I want to say, there's many, but the last one is promoting responsibly. We don't think about that sometimes. And I had a, a client who came to me. He was a, a an excellent individual contributor, the software developer, and then he was promoted to become a manager, and he had uh, 20 people reporting to him suddenly and so on. And uh, he he was very unhappy. And he told me, I, I go to the office in a bad mood, and I leave in a bad mood, and I was never this way. Mm. Because managing people is not where he wanted to be, but he was afraid to refuse the, the promotion that it might affect his career. So understanding and managing responsibly uh, – um, promoting responsibly. For example, 3M, they have uh, what they call a dual career track. So they allow their people who are scientists to be able to progress and get bonuses and do just as well without having to, to become managers of people. So understanding that because that then the person who's promoted brings their bad mood onto the rest of the team.
2: And, and they gotta kind of rise to that level of incompetency. They may not be that great. Where the dual track really does help them stay in their strengths. Exactly. So let's exactly. um, talk maybe about appreciation because I know that's a that's a big one that that I try to promote with folks. And and so how do you see that as a as a mensch leader? And and what are some things to that people can
3: do? Well, uh, Mother Teresa said uh, something beautiful. She said, "There is more hunger in the world for love and appreciation than for bread." And I think that goes for everyone uh. Uh, in every corner of the world, every position. We all want to be appreciated. There's surveys that show that uh, people leave because of lack of praise and recognition. So it's something that people want and, uh, and something that people need. Uh, Adele Lynn did a study on trust, trust in the workplace, and uh, she found that uh, employees would work for less if they had some of these things. One of them is uh, a feeling that what they do is important. And the second one is a leader that cares for them. And the third one is gratitude, appreciation for a job well done. So they're important. These are uh, needs that people have. And uh, I used to report to a CEO who was a very caring individual. And he confided in me one day that he, he said, it's very difficult for me to to praise people. So, I asked him why that is, and he said, "Well, I was raised in a family where we didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Praise is something we didn't uh, we, we didn't do. We loved each other, but we didn't do it." So, I always uh, think that it's important to understand uh, our family uh, of origin and mm-hmm. and the habits that we developed there. Right. And if uh, one of the habits is withholding praise, then we need to uh, we need to get rid of that habit. We need to work very hard because it's very crucial for people.
2: Well, so one of the things just to add to that as far as the uh, appreciation, that if you can use the word because, I appreciate this because, and come up yes. with three or four specific things, it really underlines what the person does so they repeat it. And it also lets you see that it, uh, you're sincere, you thought about it, and it's not just uh, something artificial.
3: Exactly. And, and, you know, the perfunctory great job just doesn't work. Right. Just taking a little time to say, this is pure genius, uh, as you say, because of that, or I couldn't have done it uh, without your help. Th- those kinds of things are what are memorable. And if it wasn't important, we wouldn't be keeping copies of emails and mementos and, and notes of appreciation that people send us.
2: Well, Bruna, let me uh, thank you for some of your pure genius here today. I think you've done a really wonderful job of uh, integrating a lot of information, and I'm sure all the the clients that you deal with are uh, benefit greatly just from uh, from your wisdom. So thank you very, very much for sharing this. And the book is uh, Leader as Mensch, Bruna martin Nuzi. And you can get her book, she said, at Amazon, and and... One of her websites is www.increaseyoureq.com. So, Bruna, thank you very much.
3: Thank you, Ellie.
2: This has been Leadership Development News. Thank you for listening, and we'll uh, speak with you again next week.